guys, welcome back to Typically Peachy. I have a very exciting episode today because I have a guest for you. My first non-related guest, Melody. She is one of my best friends. She is here today to talk to me with you guys about Operation Varsity Blues, the college admission scandal. But before we get into that, let me just introduce Mel a little bit. Again, she was one of my best friends from college, which now you guys are going to know. We both went to USC, which is why we have such a vested interest in this particular topic that we're talking about today. More than that, Mel is also currently in law school, and she is also the founder of a company which you guys may have heard me mention before. It's called Sweet and Chill. She will talk to you guys a little bit more about that. But before all of it, Mel, hello. How are you? Thank you for joining me today. Hello, Typically Peachy. I'm so excited to be here. You're so excited I am every single week. So to be here and just, it just feels so surreal. So hi, guys. <laughs> you guys, this is weird for us because we're recording this over Zoom and we're trying to make a podcast sound natural to us. But we have Zoom conversations all the time. So it's going to be like a conversation between friends. That's how this is going to go down. But we have some things to talk about today because this Netflix documentary that came out was wild. I watched the documentary and I was like, wait, this needs to be a podcast episode. We have so many opinions. We had so many opinions when this was all going down. And now we have even more that this documentary surfaced. So Mel. Let's get into a little bit about our background, the fact that you're from LA, the fact that I'm from the Midwest, and kind of how that made our opinions about this documentary and about this whole scandal maybe a little bit different. I guess to start off, did you think that USC was like this prestigious elite school living in LA? Yeah. So I was born and raised in LA. And so I think growing up, I had always known, you know, it was either like USC or UCLA. Those are just the schools that everybody goes to. And obviously like I knew it was a really good school, but it wasn't like, oh, you know, it's this very, very prestigious place where I would do anything and everything get into. Obviously I really wanted to go there. And it was like, one of the, you know, top schools on my list of choices. So it was somewhere I wanted to go, but in terms of, you know, I think how I was so used to seeing USC and UCLA, it wasn't like, it was pretty normal to me, you know? Yeah. For me, USC was not an elite school. I only knew about USC because I was obsessed with going to California for school. So I literally looked up all California schools and USC kind of just fell into that list of having a place that had good academics and also had a really good sports program, had a bunch of things that I was looking for. USC was not even a little bit up there with the Stanfords of the world or the Yales or anything like that. It just, it never crossed my mind that it was that prestigious of a school. Like, did you find that surprising that USC was lumped with all of these other schools? So I remember in high school when like all everybody was figuring out where they were going to go to all the, you know, super smart kids, like you were saying, like this, you know, the Stanford's, Harvard's and Yale's of the world, their backups were like USC and UCLA. So for me, it was kind of like, all right, the smart people's backup choices, or it was just the place that you go to as like a, you know, this is a really good school in the middle. It's a perfect mix of like partying, but still like a really good school kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I also did know that a lot of celebrities and rich people's kids did go there. Like it was just very commonplace and normal for like kids at my school or people that I did know. It was just very usual for them to go there. Like I had known one girl actually at my high school who is, um, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but basically she's, you know, the Tudor center, which is one of the buildings at, um, USC. It's like the main campus center where like all these food places are. So her daughter, or I guess their daughter went to my high school. And we also had a tutor center that was donated at our school. And I remember some of my, she was a couple of years older than me, but some of my friends had said, you know, when she was getting in, it was just very normal that like, yeah, she's going to go to USC, even though she wasn't, you know, the smartest cookie in the jar. Um, but it was just normal. It was just kind of like an unspoken thing that, yeah, like she's going to go to USC. It's interesting because it very much is the celebrity culture. I think that, brings the prestige to USC. It's the fact that you have people like Steven Spielberg's daughter that goes there. You have the fact that their professor is working at the university that also work in the industry, the film and entertainment industry. So I think that's what brings up the prestige. You have all of these actors. I mean, we have filming on our campus. That was something that was huge. You walk to class every day and you can have whatever TV show or whatever movie being filmed and blocking your way to get into a lecture, you know, and that's not like a normal experience, I think, at a lot of schools. And I think that that was kind of almost the appeal for a lot of these kids, especially I think of like the Olivia Jades, the people that didn't even necessarily want to go to school, but they thought, okay, if my parents are making me, maybe USC is my top choice because at least it has this celebrity element to it. At least it has all of the other things that we were talking about to it. And then on top of that, they get to stay close to home, you know? So I think for a lot of these kids, that's probably what made USC in particular so appealing to them. And then obviously you have your Stanford's, you have your Yale's, you have your other schools that there's just so much other things on top of that. There's so much other prestige on top of that with all of the Ivy League schools. So I don't know. I just thought it was interesting to think about our different opinions coming from two completely different coasts. But I mean, for you, you lived there. USC was like a household name. Our school actually offered um, a college tour to all the juniors and seniors to USC and UCLA. So it was very kind of, it was just so normal. It was in your backyard kind of thing. Yeah. It's almost like a state school, except that it wasn't. You know, it was a state school with a very high price tag. Yes. Okay, well, that leads us a little bit more. You know, I wanted to talk about our experiences at USC because obviously this school has gotten a lot of flack. We know that USC and a lot of these institutions that were named within this documentary don't necessarily have a very positive light right now. And they haven't kind of for a while. And there's a lot of baggage to unpack there. But I thought it would be interesting for our listeners to hear right now kind of what our perspective of USC was, knowing all of that, and how we feel about USC. Did we like it? Did we hate it? Tell me what you feel, Mel. I loved USC. So for a little bit of background, me and Emma were actually roommates throughout our junior and our senior year of college. So we lived together. We were like about two arms lengths apart. 
next to each other in her room. It was very cute. From Um, bed to bed. It was super cute. Oh yeah. We would always in the morning, I remember one semester we had class at the same time in the mornings. So we, where we lived, we had a little shuttle that took us to campus. We would always get off our shuttle, go get our coffee. Emma would drop me off at my building. Then she would continue on with her day. But honestly, USC was my absolute dream school in every single aspect of, you know, from the academics to the types of classes it offered. Like being in LA, there are a lot of perks and a lot of special opportunities that you get at USC that you definitely wouldn't have gotten in other places. Um, I So I majored in business administration at Marshall, and then I minored in cinematic arts at um, the School of Cinematic Arts. And um, specifically the cinema classes were my all-time favorites. And I think that's just because of, you know, you're in LA, a lot of the professors are super big in the industry or they've had so, so much experience and they just really have the most incredible stories to tell. And obviously their experience, you know, you can't really get that at other places. And then one of my other favorite classes that I took was film symposium. We actually both took this. And the whole premise of this class was you got to screen movies a week before they came out. And then the director, the actor, someone from the movie would come and just talk to you about the movie. Like, how cool is that? That doesn't really happen in other places. Yeah. So academics perspective, it was great. From the social perspective, also phenomenal. Like just the best time ever. The people were all so, so amazing. I think the friend group that Emma and I had was, was really special. Um, we had a lot of different personalities, but I think that what was so, is so special about it, you know, like there's the super social people, there's the more chill people, the more laid back people, but altogether, everybody had like a very much a work hard, play hard mentality. And I loved that. And I think that carries on to who you are kind of after you graduate, um, because everyone there is like that. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think I could have said it better myself, but I will try to add a little bit of my own perspective. I loved USC, plain and simple. I didn't even know that I had a dream school until I went to USC, and that's saying a lot. It really does have everything that I wanted. I will say, just because I know people are probably wondering, me and Mel both got in on our own merit. We both did all the things to be able to get in. That is right. We in high school. We took the ACT, the SAT. I have to say, I didn't even do well on the ACT, but I excelled in other ways. I had a very, very specific major. I was a design major and a journalism minor. And one of my absolute favorite things about SC was the opportunity to excel in things outside of the classroom. My absolute favorite part was being able to be leaders in clubs or start my own organizations and really connect to people in a different way. And they have so many resources to be able to do that. And not only that, but you're surrounded by so many creative, strategic thinkers. You know, you're not just you're not just around people that are just like you. You really are around people that are from so many different parts of the world, of the country, just everywhere and obviously that's a hundred percent going to depend on who you gravitate towards what friend groups you're in everything like that your personalities but I just feel like I took full advantage of my opportunity at USC and was able to do all of the things that I wanted to do and all the things that I didn't even know that I wanted to do past that the professors that I had were phenomenal unmatched because I was in a very small major I felt like I got 
such individualized attention in some of those classes that I feel like I wouldn't have been able to get in any other place. My design professor, who I had all four years of my college experience, she was like a mentor by the end of it. She was just so hands-on. She was so invested in our careers post-college, which I think was just a really unique thing that you don't get at every university. Saying this all, I know that our experiences are very individual to our own. Other people have very different experiences. I know that we are both very aware. I think it's just interesting to note that with every scandal, with every big thing that happens, there's always a flip side of that coin to people that are getting in on their own merit and are very much benefiting from everything that they went through within that college experience. I'm not one to say that college is for everybody. I don't necessarily think that our college education process and the exclusivity of it is awesome. I think that there are so many things that should be changed within this process. But from my personal experience, I think that the connections that I made there and the opportunities that I had were unmatched that I wouldn't have been able to get anywhere else. So I'm obviously incredibly grateful for the opportunity to have that kind of an education. I know Mel is too. And yeah, so overall, we loved USC. We're advocates from the inside. But again, we recognize that institutions need to change as well. Yeah. And then just one sec on the like personal aspect too. I think aside from the education, I think totally agree with Emma. College is not for everyone. You know, everybody's set on their own path. But for me personally, I think it really did solidify who I wanted to be as a person. And I know that could kind of sound cliche, but I think it's the one time in your life where you're universally surrounded by people who are your age, all trying to make something of themselves and you're all very young. So it's kind of, it's your past high school. You're not in those formative years where you care a lot about like, oh, what's, you know, what do people think of me? But it's, you're coming into your own. And I think for me, especially um, college really did help me find myself and the people I wanted to be with and not, you know, feel like I needed to be hanging out with people just to make them happy or anything like that. Like it's definitely a place where you find out who you want to be as a person, who you want to surround yourself with and what you want to do with your future. Even if you don't have a certain answer, you do have a direction of what I want for myself in my life. Yeah, you're definitely so right. And I feel like if you're open to that change when you're there and you're not so completely set in your ways from the get-go, then you have the opportunity to learn so much more about yourself, learn so much more within the process. Like I think too, you think about how many people change their major throughout the college process. People start in as one thing and they completely shift and alter their direction. So again, if you have the blessed opportunity to be able to get an education like that, I would take full advantage of it. Saying that though, I do think, just personal opinion, that it's going to shift. Like, I don't think that necessarily our kids are going to be going to college. I think about it and I see like all of these different creators, whether it be like in the influential space or doing different things within marketing or even doing podcasts or whatever it is, whatever the creative realm, or even entrepreneurs, you know, in any kind of capacity, you're seeing a lot that it's not necessarily about the specific education of the institution. It's more about those connections. So I just think it's interesting to see where that shift is going to take place. And I think too, that's why this documentary is so interesting because it's showing people how money-driven, how exclusive, how crazy like this whole process is and how some huge scandal like this 
could very much alter how people look at universities. Honestly, aside from that, my education was wonderful. Great classes, great professors, shout out to them. But like overall, the biggest takeaway was my network. Yeah. Like every single internship I've gotten was because of my network. Everything that they asked me was, oh, you know, oh, I had a cousin who went to USC. I went to USC, blah, 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 blah. You know, it was all your network, whatever they say about the Trojan fam or the alumni, or if, if you hear that about USC, it's very, very true. And I think that's what you pay for in some respects. You pay for that name and you pay for that entry to whatever gate of people that leads you to, you know? Definitely. I 100% agree. And speaking of the pay, let's get more into this scandal because first and foremost, I want to talk about how we even found out about the college admission scandal. Our first thoughts on it, was it shocking? Did we understand what was happening? How it was happening? Tell us a little bit, Mel, how did we hear about this? So as uh, typical college kids do, we were in spring break with a group of like 30 of her friends um, in our senior year. And we all kind of went as like our last hurrah because we were graduating that semester. And I remember it was like our second or third day there. And all of us got, you know, certain texts about the LA Times article about Lori Laughlin. And then we were all kind of like, oh, what's going on? And I think all of us didn't really know the gravity of the situation. We were like, oh, somebody like donated and got caught or whatever. And then I think we all kind of started spending like a couple hours of just looking into this. And as more information started rolling out, we were all just like lounging there. I mean, like, oh my gosh, did you hear this? This just came out. What? And we were all just like slowly just getting shocked with more and more information as we were on spring break. Yeah, like on the beach in Cancun. It was kind of hilarious how we found out and that we were together when we found out. But yeah, I think that my initial thought about it was, oh, yeah, it's another donation. Like it's another it's another somebody else, you know, donating to our school, more kids getting in that way, which happens all the time. I can probably name some of the kids that their families' names are on those buildings. You know, like Mel was saying, she went to school, you know, with some of them. And I just think that I almost wish it was a little bit more shocking to me from the get-go because to me, I was like, yeah, has this not been happening forever? Knowing well in my head, it's not that I think that this is right. I just think that it's obvious because of the amount of knowledge that we already had about people doing this. Saying that though, I had no idea the depth or the extent or how far that this went, that this went so far past USC in general, that it was nationwide, that it had so much to do with this one mastermind behind it all. I had no idea who Rick Singer was. His name never entered my mind at all prior to this. So it was definitely shocking when everything else was unfolding. But I think that we should kind of just go from the beginning because there's so much to unpack within this documentary. And I mean, past the documentary, we know it's a documentary, but this is also real life. So I refer to it as a documentary, but we're talking about this in the larger scheme of everything that actually happened in real life. But before we get into details, I want to ask you, Mel, how do you feel about how they portray the documentary? There being actors that are saying the real conversations 
but it's kind of the dichotomy between acting and also having interviews. Do you like that style? Does it distract you from the story? I just wanted to hear your take because I have opinions of my own. Um, I think when it first started playing and it's a shot of just Rick Singer in his house and it's an actor, you know, walking down the stairs, I was confused as it was actually Rick Singer or it was an actor. It was just very confusing and I didn't so confused. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what is going on right now? Um, so I think at first it was very distracting and it was kind of hard to get into. Like it just definitely was one of those things that like just catches your attention. You're kind of just listening to a random recorded phone call and then you're like okay yeah so this actually happened and this actor is just recreating the scene so I didn't like how they did that but I think as it got towards the end of it I got used to it and I think like it was a smart choice on them to do it like that because you really get a feel of how everyone felt in the situation and as they described Rick Singer himself I think the actor did a really good job of like describing and portraying the character like he was very serious he didn't really show emotion and the actor did a really good job of that and also the parents who donated did a really good job of portraying that stress and anxiety as you know when they were trying to beat around the bush and some of the conversations they were having and some of the words that they were having I will say though by playing some of the conversations that actually happened I don't know if that was the best for the individual families that were involved, because I think some of the things that were said can have a very much lasting effect on that individual family. And I think they're all going through a lot. Granted, it was kind of their own fault, but I think, I don't know, I don't think they should have played the entire conversation or should have filtered it or kind of portrayed it in a better light for the sake of the families. Okay, very interesting opinion. I will say I have kind of an opposite opinion. I am so glad that they played the whole thing. That is the tea that we needed to see. Those are the conversations that we are yearning for. I was thinking about this when all this celebrity kind of went down and the celebrity aspect of it, I mean, and you're seeing people like Lori Laughlin, who we used to see on our TVs in Full House, right? And you're like, how in the world could she be going to jail? And she just did this thing for her kid because she loves her kid, right? And again, we'll get into this more about their motivations and everything like that and our feelings about it. But I think it's almost kind of hard to portray the reality of the situation not having known any of those conversations previously, you know, and just knowing them as these actors on our screen. Because to me, Lori Laughlin, I, I loved everything about her. I loved her relationship on Full House. I loved the kids on Full House. That was Lori Laughlin to me. And then more than that, I liked her daughter. Like I watched her YouTube videos and everything. It's not that I think that they're terrible people now. It's not that. It's more just I appreciate the transparency of something that is spreading so wide that we're getting all of these other facts. We're seeing them go to jail. I appreciate the actual real conversations that we're able to hear from it. Also, your point on it starting off and not knowing if Rick Singer was actually Rick Singer or the actor, I have the same thought. I was like, is that Rick Singer? There's no way they got him to act in this documentary. Like that would be wild. So that definitely confused me. I have mixed opinions about the acting in a documentary. I feel like I was kind of the same way that it threw me off at first, but I eased into it and then it was fine for me. But I will say that there's something about mixing fiction with reality that almost lessens the reality a little bit, if you know what I mean. It dramatizes it a little bit. 
it kind of plays into the Hollywood of it all even more than it already was. So I didn't love that, but like I said, I did get used to it. But now that we got the whole documentary side out of it, let's get into the nitty gritty because there is so much to unpack. So much. First of all, let's just talk about Rick Singer. He is a free man. He's a free man. Living his life, going going swimming, going on long runs. This guy seems like he's just having a grand old time right now after he just through this bomb on like 50 different families he's he is very much a mastermind genius I have to say though you kind of see him not being able to reap any of the rewards of his work he is a true workaholic at its finest he doesn't even have these nice lavish things I think they said that he moved once into a bigger house but he's making this insane amount of money off of so many different people breaking down these institutions through this side door it's crazy the amount of work that he has to do to keep this all under wraps and I'm like dude you're not even like taking a vacation or buying a summer house or anything like that what's the point for him yeah he also was like living in his car for a period of time and they like they had this one girl who he was dating at the time or throughout we're not really like super clear on that but it was so interesting because the woman kind of described him as charming, but very mysterious, but super hardworking. And I totally get it. I'm like, why, what is this all for? And they weren't really clear on a lot more of his personal life. And maybe that's just because of who he is, but I honestly would have wanted to get more insight into his personal family. And they try to do that a little bit, but I think in comparison to other documentaries where you hear a lot more about like why someone is the way they are, or, you know, what happened more recently to them that led them to be that the way they are. I wish they did a better job of explaining that. Cause I think they kind of just rushed through that really quickly, but he's just this very quiet guy constantly working, like you said. Um, but I don't really, I think it's almost when you're a workaholic, I think that's what you thrive off of, of just constantly being on the plane or not being in one place at once. And I think it's a thrill off of talking to these people or being in these social circles and having these connections too. No, you're so right. Okay, let's talk about kind of one of the bigger issues within this whole documentary and within this whole scandal, which is really higher education as a commodity. And I know that we touched on this a little bit, talking about our own experiences at USC and, you know, what you get out of it, what you get out of this education and why there's such a large price tag on it. It's interesting to really dive into what college does for people on an individual level and what these institutions represent to the junior applying to colleges versus what it represents to when you're actually in college versus what it represents to the people out of college. Because for me, I didn't think of college as this way that I was going to you know, be able to get all of these connections. You know, I thought that I needed it because of the education aspect. I thought, Oh, everybody, everybody has a college education now. If you want a good job, if you want something that's higher paying, you need to go to college because otherwise you're not going to be able to compete with anybody else. Totally. Everybody goes to college. But I think it's so much more complicated than that because like you had mentioned, it's so much about connections. It's, It's almost less even about the education. It's just about who you know, how many people you know, what they can do for you post-college and even when you're in college 
I just want to know like your thoughts on higher education as a commodity. What do you think about it? Do you think it's right? Do you think it's wrong? Do you think it needs to be changed? Well, specifically about the college admissions process, I'm super passionate about, and I'm so, so happy that they touched on that in the documentary because I was a lot like those kids in the documentary who were so like throughout high school, just focused on school. And I think like even some of my close friends were like, why do you care so much about school? But I think like this idea of like, I have to get into a top college. I have to be with so-and-so in a list elite status kind of thing. And it almost became this unspoken thing within you know, when people were getting accepted to colleges, it represented almost how smart you were or who you are as a person. And I think that like, now that I've been through college and graduated it, I totally think that has says nothing to do about how smart you are, who you are as a person. It is so, so flawed. And I think a lot of it is, is a game. It's a chance of luck. Like personally, I knew people who we had the exact same resume. We're in the same clubs. I got into schools that they didn't and vice versa. And I think it was just such an emotionally draining process. And I actually, I didn't get into USC right off the bat. I actually went and I transferred and I was so, so devastated because I had worked, I took a bunch of AP classes. I was like in a bunch of different clubs. And for me, it was like my entire world had just crashed. And I felt so terrible as a person because of college admissions. And looking back at it, like college admissions and going to community college was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. Um, Because when I did come to USC, I think I had way more of an appreciation for it. I wanted to be meeting a bunch of new people. I, I still had the same opportunities. Like I still got to study abroad. I still got to be in the same types of classes and do a major and a minor and do everything I wanted to. But I think that pressure that you put on teenagers as they're going into it is so, so unhealthy so unhealthy. I completely agree. And I think that you have such an interesting perspective on it, going to community college first to them being able to appreciate it. Because I feel like I never had that first on appreciation and my appreciation more grew throughout the process, which is so different. But I think about this now and I think about how we were talking about how future generations like may not even go to college. If you can get a good education and not have to spread yourself so thin and I mean so so thin financially to be able to do that what are we going to college for you know I'm always like in this place of feeling oh my god I had the best four years of my life this was amazing I loved everything about it but then I also am so aware of the fact that I could have gotten the same education somewhere else and you're so right that I remember I did terribly on my ACT and I wasn't even set on one school. I wasn't set on anything, but I remember those benchmarks for ACT driving me insane. I was like, I'm never going to get in anywhere. Like, it doesn't even matter that I don't have a dream school. I'm just never going to get in anywhere. My scores are too low. I can't compete. And even though I had other things that I knew some kids wouldn't have, I thought, No, but it doesn't matter because there's going to be another kid that has the same things that I have in that category and they're going to get a 35 on their ACT or 36 or whatever. There's just absolutely no chance. I think that what really surprised me about the admissions process is that there were some schools that didn't have the same benchmarks, that didn't have anything the same as USC. They were lower than USC and I didn't get into them. I didn't get into UCLA, which had somewhat 
lower benchmarks in USC and I got into USC and I thought, what the heck? How? Why? You know? Mm -hmm. And like, then you question yourself, well, what is it about me that they liked more? Was it a specific thing? Did I fill a different niche for them? You know, whatever it is. I think bottom line whenever you're applying to colleges, I mean, this isn't like my grand old advice about applying to colleges, because I I don't think that the process is fair at all. Really, I really don't. But I think that what it is, is you can't be doing everything that everybody else is doing. And you can't be like leveling up to what they're doing, because somebody's always going to be doing it better than you are. And that's just in life. You can't be doing something that somebody else is doing. You have to find your niche area. So I don't know. The college admission process as a whole is crazy. It's terrifying. It's terrible because it brings kids down all the time. But there's just so much reform that needs to be done there. I think me and Mel can agree on that. Oh, yeah. And I'm very happy. I think it's good that they're getting rid of the SAT. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do moving forward, especially I think with COVID, a lot, a lot has changed since we were applying. Um, But I think honestly, at the end of the day, you are meant to be where you're meant to be. Whatever is happening to you may seem like it's the end of the world, but that's exactly where you're supposed to be. And you may not understand it until, you know, you realize why it happens. And I know that sounds, again, also cliche, but... It's true, people. Yeah, it's but true. it's true. And the other thing is, too, is I didn't even think that transferring was an option. I put so much pressure on the initial process of getting in somewhere. No one told me you could transfer somewhere after your first year. That wasn't even common knowledge to me, which is crazy. You know, yeah. that could be something that everybody should know. You try out this school. If it's not the right fit for you, guess what? You can transfer in a semester, in a year, whatever it is. It just, it feels very limited and it feels very finite when you're in that situation in high school. For sure. I was going to, I remember I literally up until a week before I had committed to a school and it was a really good ranked school. But when I, I just was really forcing myself to go there. I'm very much a big city gal. Um, And if you're not, that's totally fine too. But this school was very much the opposite of that. And it was like a week before school started and I was just forcing myself to like this place. I had visited campus like six different times and it wasn't anywhere close to me. So I I went there and then I I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to transfer and we'll see what happens from there. But I'm, I'm so happy that you also, that's another thing. Do not force yourself to go somewhere because you feel like you have to make a decision at that time. Like it's okay to take a year off. It's okay to transfer. It's okay to go to a different school. You didn't think everything is okay. There's not one right decision here either. Yep. You're so right. And I am so glad that you transferred because if you did not, I would never have met you. How crazy. Same, 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 same. That's so weird. Okay. Let's get into a different element of this documentary. Me and Mel, you guys, for a little background, we love the sports element of college. Neither of us play sports very well. Well, Mel played basketball a little bit in high school, I already know, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played That's soccer a little in high school. But still, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about <laughs> collegiate level athletes. Now, I know that can be a little of a little bit of a loose term these days because of this scandal. You know, I did rowing in my youth. I would not have been anywhere near able to be able to be a good rower in college. But apparently some people, they take pictures on a rowing machine and they can do it. You know, no tea, no shade, just the truth over there. Crazy. But anyways, going to a school like USC, sports was huge. We lived breathed sports and we didn't play sports you know 
So having that much influence on a school, on a campus, to be able to have these individuals come in and pretend that they're on one of the teams, it makes sense to me that they were able to because of how much power and prestige are in the sports department. But it's also, there's so many people watching. That is where all eyes are. And even though that it's like the lesser sports, like it's crew or it's the polo team or whatever, it's still almost surprising to me how much it was taken advantage of throughout the process. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I was really surprised by that too. I think specifically, it was very interesting to see an inside look into how that worked. And they touched on the USC athletic director specifically. And at USC, football is very much the big sport there. Basketball also is too, but definitely everything surrounds football, right? So I wasn't so surprised where they weren't super, you know, paying attention to the rowing team or or the polo team or anything like that. Um, But I was very surprised at the end of the documentary when they were going through who was charged and who wasn't that the athletic directors at USC um, and some other schools were not guilty. I was very, very surprised by that. I think that's very telling also of the influence the school has. And especially at a school where sports are so prevalent, I think they will do anything to protect those sports and those departments at all costs. Okay, this is also just a side comment about USC in general. Didn't you find it pretty funny that every scene that they had, that they had USC on there, a little USC logo in the corner of like USC saying like, this is our yeah. property. Like, yeah, I found video footage. It was hilarious. And she was wearing very, it was very apparent that she was wearing a little like polo with the SC logo and even the Yale soccer coach. Like he wasn't really wearing that much Yale gear, but she was at all times very much USC branding everywhere. USC pride like no other, even in the midst of a gigantic scandal. It's actually a little bit insane. Let's also talk about the differences. I mean, because you bring up the athletic director at USC. I found it really interesting how they portrayed the differences between coaches. There was a very obvious difference in that the Stanford coach did not take any personal gains for himself. But I felt that in the documentary, they very much tried to victimize him and make him seem like he really didn't do anything wrong. And he was kind of just like thrown into the situation. And I think, yes, you can very much get wrapped up in all of this. And you can think that you're doing this for the school and you're on the school side. But it was almost a little shocking to me that they did portray him as so much of a victim because the tiny snippets of conversations that we did hear him on the phone, he very much seemed like he knew what was going on. Yeah. I actually felt the same exact way at first. I felt really bad. And when they started to, you know, play the conversations or even just how the interactions were going when Rick used to visit him, like, I think you obviously just, I don't think, I mean, I don't really know the specifics of how this all works, but if somebody goes to give you a hundred thousand dollar check pretty regularly for, you know, you've never seen them at a rowing event, you, you just, it's like a random guy that the athletic director knows. I mean, you've got to know there's something that's going on. Even if you don't ask about it, you definitely know that it's not all 100% kosher or in the clear or anything like that. A hundred percent. And I think it's also, I mean, this is the, maybe the most unique thing about this whole situation is that the victim of this entire scandal are these multi-million dollar universities, but also how are they not some to blame? 
they are perpetuating this. They are the ones that are taking the money. They are the ones that are hiring these coaches. They are the ones that are being hush-hush within the athletic department. And it's not like it's done. You know, we're talking about side door, but what about back door? Like Rick Singer said, you can still make these grandiose donations in the name of your child and your kid's a shoo-in. These universities are continuing to benefit. Yeah, I actually had, that was my opinion up until this documentary was like, oh, all these celebrities just did this the wrong way. Because like we talked about earlier, we knew so, like, it's not that we even knew them individually. It was just so common that people just donated and that's how their kids got in. It wasn't a shock. It wasn't surprising or anything like that. Like if you had millions of dollars to do it, yeah, go for it. Go ahead. That's how people did it at a lot of these schools. And so I don't think that was anything of a surprise, but this isn't going to stop. Like you said, this is going to keep going. And even they touched on this in the end of the documentary, like Stanford didn't give any of the money back. They kept the money. And I think this just, they also touched on this was that it made the schools more popular. Like I think it gave them more of an exclusivity factor that people are willing to go to these links, which I think just made the schools look so much better in in a very cynical way. Um, But yeah, this donation process, maybe the Rick Singer scheme, that's definitely far over, but the donations will never stop. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's almost funny to me that these parents that have this mass amount of wealth were looking to do it in a cheaper way. $400,000 or whatever they're paying for their kid, that's nothing to them. I think it really, I mean, the documentary touched on this, but that it was more so that Rick Singer made them believe so many more people were doing this through the back door. It's not a shoe in that your kid is just going to get in because of the amount of wealthy people that are trying to go to USC or go to Stanford. It's only these select few schools that people are so obsessed with getting into. And I think that goes back to what we were saying about just, it has to be something about the school. Either they're elite or they have a celebrity element or they're an Ivy League or something, you know, just to make them actually stand out, make them so appealing to kids. I also think it was interesting, the news coverage at the time when it was going on focused a lot on USC in comparison to all these other schools. And that might've been in part to do with, you know, SC having several scandals at that time. But I do think it was very interesting how it was very much centered on USC when I didn't know the extent of like the Stanford situation. 100%. I thought it was USC and Stanford. I didn't realize how cross-country this spread. So I guess I appreciated that too. Past the coaches, past the universities, I want to talk about the parents because, man, I love my mom and dad. I have so much respect for them. If they did something like this without my knowledge, I can't even imagine what our relationship would be right now. It's crazy how these parents are really saying they're doing this for their kids. You know, what is your take on the parent of it all? Oh goodness. Well, these, these parents, I think definitely like you can see that a lot of the parents there maybe didn't have, um, they had, they definitely all had their best interest for their kids at heart, but I don't think they really thought about a lot of the consequences. Some of the parents definitely did. And they took the risk anyway. And I think like we said earlier, like it touches on some of the conversations that they were having or the hesitancies around the conversation. But um, I think it was interesting to see like the Hot Pockets mom. She was kind of concerned about her older daughter in comparison to how smart her younger daughter was. That was terrible. 
it was very sad and I can only imagine the tea or the effect that her friends or she will feel in addition to everything else that this like girl has gone through okay maybe but- that was that was maybe the one part in the documentary where I agree with you that maybe that didn't need to be shown like you are actually ruining a relationship out there yeah I think that they're like the parents didn't really think that they had it in their kids to do it on their own, which is very sad. But I do think maybe if they were given the opportunity or they didn't feel like, oh yeah, I am going to go there. I don't really know how, but I will go there. And I feel like that was kind of ingrained into the kids by the parents. So maybe that also played into them just not feeling like they needed to try hard enough or they needed to even think about it twice. Yeah. There was so much lack of faith with, within these parents for their kids. And I just, I find that so sad because we're talking about how we felt in college or how we felt, sorry, in high school, like thinking so much about the perfect university to go to or not even the perfect, but a university to go to. We knew that that was always the plan. All these kids probably felt very similarly. You know, they're stressing about it too. They have no idea all of these side door things that are taking place. They have no idea that their parents feel that way about them. You know, your parents are saying all the time, you can do it. You're so smart. You can get in. No worries. And then turning their back on you and hiring this guy, paying this guy tons of money so that you can get in. I don't know. I think that in the documentary, it did say a lot about like these parents are living vicariously through their kids. And that is why they're pushing them so hard. And in my opinion, I really feel like it's less that the parents want what they never had. And it's more that the parents are concerned that their children are not going to be able to sustain the same standard of life that they're currently living unless they go to college. And I think that that is a huge fear of a lot of wealthy parents, that one day their their kids are not going to be able to have the same amount of wealth. They're not going to have a life similar or even more than what they grew up with. And I think that's what propels them to make decisions like this, the kind of idea that my kid can't make it on their own because only what we see of them is a laziness and mooching off of our money and not really taking initiative in their own right. And then I think about a kid like Olivia Jade, right, who was actually a self-starter. She had brand deals. She had deals with Sephora. She had a makeup palette. She was very successful on YouTube. She had millions of followers. And still, her parents were like, no, you have to go to college. It doesn't matter that you are in your own right an entrepreneur, that you have started this business and branding for yourself. You still have to go. And to me, that is the biggest misstep. Why does she still need to go? Because we value Mm -hmm. education as this commodity. Because we think that it is so elite that there is a certain level of life that you're not going to be able to reach unless you go to college. I just think that that is so whack. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. And that's where I think that it eventually is going to turn because you see so many of these young people now, and instead of wanting to excel in college or whatever, they want to be an influencer or they want to create their own content. And there's some of that that's a little frivolous, but also it's like, okay, but do you have that work mentality? If you have the work mentality to put out a video, to edit a video, to come up with creative concepts, to get these brand deals for yourself, to be able to market yourself and use social media in different platforms, that's amazing. Yeah. I think that's very interesting because I actually feel the opposite in terms of parents living vicariously through their children. I feel that for the average person, that's very true. 
if you, if you grew up a very normal life and your kids, you want them to obviously go to a better school, or if you couldn't go to college, or if you were like an immigrant and you came here and you're, you know, trying to start a life that in itself is so much more successful than getting into whatever school it is, I think, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. but I think for like the average person's parents, for them, it's, I want my kids to get into those really good schools that I couldn't have. And that's a huge sense of pride for them. For celebrities, it's, it's almost a little bit like, like a little bit of like embarrassment almost like, oh, well, so-and-so's kids also going here and they grew up in the same circumstances and, you know, they may not be as, as smart as you or they're, or they're definitely, you know, less or more or whatever than you are. Um, and I think these celebrities also compare themselves in social circles and it may just be like a, a status thing, like, oh yeah, we also did this, or we're also at this golf club or we're also at whatever. So I think in that regard, but what was so interesting to me specifically about Olivia Jade was that in her red table talk interview, she specifically admitted, she was like, I didn't need to go to college, but that was just something that my parents wanted for me to have that experience. And they wanted her to stay close to home and be in LA with everything else. So I think it's very interesting because these kids know that like, they will get a a fair amount of inheritance from their parents. They will be okay. But I think like what they'll do with it, I think their parents are just worried that they, like you said, like they'll they'll just get lazy or not, you know, have that drive. But specifically with social media, like you said, it is very, very hard. Whoever says social media or being an influencer is not a job, has not even attempted to do it, does not realize how much work goes into it. That is a full-time job. Just even like in my own experience with managing like my own business and sweet and chill, go check it out. Shameless plug here. No shame, please hype it up. (laughs) Sweet and chill, everybody go follow it. Yes. So sweetandchill.com at sweetandchillcbd on Instagram. But seriously, so much goes into every single post and just making the post, making sure I have enough content. All of that is constantly on my mind. And if you're not on top of all of that, you know, you will lose your brand. So Olivia Jade creating her whole brand, I think it was very, very tragic to her specifically losing all of that. And, you know, to get those deals at her age is very, very difficult. Obviously she had some status anyway, because of her mom, but to maintain that and to continue to build that is not an easy thing by any means. Yeah. And we're not, you know, we're not oblivious to the fact that Olivia Jade had this platform because she's a daughter of a celebrity that she has this massive amount of wealth that there are doors open to her that are not open to anyone else. But like Mel is saying, to be able to sustain that, to be able to get people to actually watch and listen to your content every week and like those Instagram photos and take the Instagram photos and whatever it is, it's so much more than I think what people see because yeah, they see it as being so easy. You post an Instagram photo, I can post an Instagram photo too. It's so easy, you know, whatever it is, a podcast, we're just talking. There's a lot of preparation that goes into every single thing that you do if it's in the creative realm. And also if you really enjoy it, if you really love what you're doing, which I think is almost one of the biggest shames for Olivia Jade is that she seemed like she loved it. She loved the brand deals that she was getting. And again, it's a very privileged point of view to be able to not need college, to have all of these other opportunities lined up for you. But that does not negate the fact at all that she had to put in extreme amounts of work to be able to get to where she was. So yeah, I think it's 
it's really hard. If you guys haven't seen the Red Table Talk, you guys should definitely watch it with Olivia Jade. That's like a whole separate thing that we could talk about. There are so many things that I have different opinions about that. But I don't know. I think that the biggest thing is to be able to listen to others' criticism. There was a lot of criticism from multiple different communities at Olivia Jade. And I think that really gets into kind of my next big point that I want to talk about is who's to blame in all of this? Because Olivia Jade is kind of, for lack of a better word, the face of this all, right? Like she is the one that everybody thinks of as the kid that was on the fake growing team and that's how she got into college, okay? So I think that there's a lot of blame posed on her. And it's like, okay, but it was her mom and it was also the school and it was the coaches and it was the institution. So in your opinion, Mel... Who is to blame? I know a loaded question, but let's get your take. Well, I would say that it's not just one person, but I think the person who, or the the groups that take the majority of the blame are definitely Rick Singer and the institutions themselves. Because without the institutions being able to take in that funding, none of this would have even happened. Because then parents would not feel like, oh yeah, I have that option or Rick can do this for me. And Rick being able to kind of have those conversations and manipulate, you know, or kind of bribe the athletic directors and whatever, and making that okay to have constant um, donations, quote unquote, Um, coming in I think that is definitely what makes it to blame and like we talked about I don't think that's going anywhere I think it'll just change forms or continue to be that backdoor option I think the parents they obviously knew that they were not engaging in something they should have but I don't think they are the ones to blame I think they just kind of were like this option was available to them I want what's best for my kid let's let's do this and obviously so many parents out there do not have that privilege. They wish they could do that. They give everything for their kids to go to college. So, I mean, that comes with power and status and that's something that's just flawed within our community overall. But I think specifically with the college admission scandal, the majority of the blames are on to the institution and Rick Singer um, themselves. And just a side note about the documentary overall, I'm so glad it didn't focus on Lori Laughlin because like you said- Lori Laughlin and Olivia Jade were the face of all of it. Felicity Huffman, a little bit here and there. But when I actually looked at the complaint that was filed, there were so many parents' names that were very well known that if you guys go and look at it, I'm sure you will also be shocked at the at the names that were on there. Like, if I recall correctly, the governor of Texas, his name was on there. Oh, Mr. Damn. Governor was not in the media for any of this. So... You know, I think there's some shady stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So very, very big props to Netflix for not only focusing on Lori Laughlin. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with you on most of those sentiments. I think I think my biggest takeaway, like, yes, the institution, the coaches, there are so many different elements where you can place blame on this. I think that at the individual level where we can actually control And let me just say, by no means am I, like, going to be a parent anytime soon. I'm still in my 20s trying to stay typically peachy every single day of my life. But saying that, (laughs) I would just hope that once I become a parent, I have enough faith in my kid and what they want to do and what they want to aspire to be to be able to just propel them forward and lift them up in any way that they want to be. And I think that that is one of the most devastating parts, like we talked about how little faith these parents had. And I am 
coming from a very privileged point of view in that both of my parents were like, do what you want to do. I have always gotten the biggest support from them. They are like my champions, which I'm so thankful for every day because I mean, even seeing this mass amounts of wealth and power cannot buy you your parents' faith in you. That is obviously something that money cannot buy, just being able to actually understand your kid. And I think that is the biggest thing is that these parents have no understanding of their kids. They don't know what they want. They don't know. They think they know what's best for them, but times are changing. People are doing things different ways. Listen to your kids. If you are a kid right now and you're feeling unheard, make yourself heard. Don't just do things to do things. College is not the only option, even though, again, me and Mel both loved our experience. So it's not for everyone, but just figure out what's for you because it's not going to be the same across the board. I don't know. I always think that education can be reformed. I always think that there are positive steps forward that you can take with it. So Obviously, me and Mel are not, you know, changing, saving the world to the largest extent. But these conversations, I feel like do help, you know, just get your perspective on what you feel like needs to be changed at all. I think so. I think you all should also have these conversations with your best friends. I think if we start this chain reaction, it'll keep going and we'll all make changes together. I definitely agree. Thank you for that, Mel. (laughs) And finally, the last, I guess, point on before I wrap up into something a little bit more fun, not that this conversation has not been ecstatically entertaining for me, but I just want to know, how has this impacted you? The college admission scandal as a whole, we had the very unique opportunity of being in college still at one of the schools when this all went down. How did this affect you? This was right when we were going to be graduating soon. We were starting to enter into the workforce. So how did it affect you? Well, so after I graduated, I started um, a corporate job. And so while I was in my job, um, I was in, I was in finance and every single one of my coworkers asked me about it. They all asked me about how it was when I was there And I, you know, I had to tell him like bits and pieces of what I thought about it. And then I almost felt like there were times where I had to be like, well, well, it also wasn't like as bad as it seemed like not everyone is there because, you know, they know someone. And I felt like I had to defend it a little bit. Um, And definitely because I go to law school in Los Angeles now, and it's definitely also a running joke with my professors. They've all mentioned it at some point. Um, And of course it being law school, that's something that comes up, you know, in terms of the legalities of it all. So it's definitely something that is very much associated with USC. It's a joke that people make with it. And and there's some times where I have had to defend USC and still be like, hey, it is still a very good institution. The education is still great. And just had to do all that. Ultimately, at the end of the day, though, I think USC has an established relationship where like they all, like people generally know like, hey, it's a, it's a good school. That's why people want to be there. My first job interview, I was still in college at the time, but my first like interview for a job while this was all going down, the person that was interviewing me, he was like, I know that this is crazy for me to ask, but I'm just required to ask it now. Did you get into USC on your own merit? And I was just like, oh my goodness, that's a question. A question that I'm being asked right now in a job interview that shocked me. And I was like, yeah, of course. But I remember feeling like a little uncomfortable. I was like, they thought that I didn't get in. 
you know, and even if they didn't think that, you know, they were just covering their bases or whatever. But I don't know, the question, the fact that it's even a question now is it's crazy to me, especially because of how how much work you realize that I think everybody realizes has to go into for the majority, the large, large majority of students has to go into getting into a college, you know, no matter what college it is. You're all writing those essays. Previously, we were all taking those standardized tests. We were all doing interviews. It is so much work. So it was kind of like a punch in the throat. I think that what they say in the documentary too about it almost seeming a little bit more elite now, that is true. More people know USC for better or for worse. They know it as a school, but like me and Mel said, sometimes we feel like we have to defend it. Sometimes we feel like we're hyping it up all the time. And other times we're like, yeah, there are definitely things that need to be changed. So it's twofold. All in all, it's good. We loved our school. (laughs) We love it. Fight on, everyone. Fight on, everyone. (laughs) All right. Now let's get into something that we're going to do. Some speed round questions about college this was actually Mel's idea but I did not tell her the questions so I came up with the questions we're both going to answer them I tried very hard not to like answer them at all I tried to just like write them down and then not think about them again so we're on the same playing field here so it's going to be speed round you have to answer quickly okay okay you'll get to know us a little bit more not that deep they're fun questions you guys but anyways I'm excited here we go Speed round, USC college questions. All right. Favorite part about college? Uh, Everything. Okay. Um, Oh my God, opportunities. (laughs) Favorite part about SC in particular? Um, Game days. I was going to say the same thing, or people. Okay, yes, good answer. Most surprisingly good class. I think I didn't realize this until I was out of it, but, um, or actually I'll give two. So I didn't realize it until I was out of it for operations, business operations, man, very helpful <laughs> class overall. I was Love just very much just wanting to move through it. And then the second one is my screenwriting class. I really liked it. I didn't realize how much I would love it until it was done. Okay. My answer was going to be me and Mel took a, um, like a general education class, drugs, something in society. Yes, I forgot about that class. Okay, I I forgot what it's called. It's like drugs, alcohol, and society or something like that. And it was all about addiction. And I just found it so completely interesting on so many different levels. And also the professor was awesome. So Yeah, he was great. I loved that class, actually. I I just think he, this is like, we're not doing this fast. But basically, he was just a great professor because he broke it down in such a simple way of learning which I feel like it's so much better than all the textbooks of it all, whatever. Anyways, next question. In-state or close to home? Oh, close to home. Okay. I've lived here my whole life. Out of state or close to home, but yes, close to home. Out of state (laughs) for me, obviously. All right. All right. East coast, west coast. Mm, West coast. Come on. Come on. West coast. Same. Partly involved in a ton of things or super involved in a few? Ooh, this is a good one. I think my answer has changed over the years and now I'm like super involved in a few, but before I was partly involved in everything. Yeah, you were so that kind of person. I wasn't. I was like so involved in my things. Yeah. 
dorm or apartment? Okay, so this is interesting because I lived in an apartment and then I lived in a dorm. So I cherished my dorm experience better, but it was very much for college time after this, I would not want to, I, I like my own space. Yeah, I'm saying in the scope of college. Oh, okay. Yeah, dorm, 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 dorm. Same dorm, live in a dorm. I know that it's gross for a while. It might be gross, but it's worth it. Emma was a great roommate, by the way. I just have to throw it out there. Thank you so much. I have lived with many of my friends and we're still friends. So I think that says something about everybody involved. You were a great roommate too. Thanks. Thanks. Food plan or easy Mac? Oh, easy Mac. Same all the way. Food plan is such a waste of money and they don't even have stuff. Buy the book or find materials online. Ooh. I knew you'd struggle with this one. I don't know. It depends. Depends on the situation. Depends on on what you're learning. Depends on what you're doing. Okay, I would say find the materials online. Those books are so overpriced. Um, and also they're so heavy. Like you can't take them with you. Yeah. How to pick your classes? This one's a little bit more in depth. Just give us like your top tip of how to pick your classes. Okay, so I interned one semester, so I scheduled my entire class based on the interns, so I can intern on two days and then. Uh, go to class on the other days. So if you're working and doing that, do that. If not, I would try to avoid Friday classes and have your weekend, um, but spread it, you know, pretty evenly if you can. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Try to avoid Fridays and Mondays. I mean, one, just for your free time, but two, if you have the opportunity to get an internship, that makes it super nice to not have to like break up your week, but just like to be able to go at the end of your week. So me and Mel both did that um okay go out or stay in this is college think college (laughs) I know that that doesn't really change your answer but it changes mine that's why I said that (laughs) um okay definitely go out during college okay go out but Mel does not go out that often yeah it's true it's true okay themed parties or chill vibe well Okay, so Emma and I really like to dress up. Like, we just very much like dressing up. Halloween, we would start planning from August, and it would never be what we planned. It would always be something last minute on that day. So, themed parties for dressing up, but late and chill back, I think, was the nights that we had the most fun. Yeah, and I think that themed parties was probably, like, our first half of our college experience, and chill vibes with, like, close friends, and more dictated, like, our second half. So, they're both good. Do them both. Morning or night tailgates? Morning. Okay, same. I was thinking, like, I like morning tailgates. It's terrible, but it's so fun to have to wake up ungodly early, do the whole thing. But I like night games better. I was just going to say that. I also think, like, if it's a night tailgate, you're kind of, you don't know what to do with the first half of your day because you're like, I have to. You're like prepping for it. Yeah. (laughs) But like, if you're kind of doing your thing in the morning and then you have the game and then, you know, you have the rest of your. Me and Mel. Okay. Well, we would always, not always, but sometimes if we had morning tailgates, we would do the whole tailgate, whatever. Like we would always get the hot dog at the game and then we would have pool parties. It was so fun, guys. It It was was so, so fun. Like literally the best four years of our lives. This is why we're saying like we have so many mixed opinions (laughs) about the whole process because like we had such amazing times there. Um, Yeah, and we just like would make friends. We'd be like, come to the pool party. Like everybody come to the pool party. Like we had no idea who these people were, but they all came. Um, Okay, song that reminds you of college. Okay, 
there's a few, but I think, oh, okay. I'm going to name three. So no money by Galantis. That's like, I didn't even think about that one, but yeah, you're right. That one hotel motel was specifically our roommates of college. Um, and then intoxicated by Martin. I don't remember his last name, but him. Martin Garrick's. I don't think it's him. No, I think I it's don't know what intoxicated is. Something maybe that. Uh, oh, that you've got to be intoxicated. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Okay, you're missing a really big one, but it's fine because I'm filling in your blanks. Mr. Yeah. Brightside by the Killers. Oh my God. How <laughs> that song is. That song is college. USC. Like that yeah. song is USC college experience, like in one. Yes. Oh, scratch everything. Guys, <laughs> Mr. Brightside. That's it. Done. Done. Next question. You're welcome. See, Mel, that's why, you know, yin to yang. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay, and then the last question that I have for you of the speed round that was not at all speedy at all. Yes, no. One piece of advice. It doesn't have to be the best advice, just one piece of advice offhand when you first think about your experience at USC. Um, I definitely think it's, like I said earlier, you are meant to be doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. I think every year I had such a different experience at USC. My second, third, and fourth year were all so different from education wise to what I wanted to do with my career. I thought I wanted to go into entertainment. That is not what I'm doing right now. Um, to the people I became close with, to the experiences I had, and even just growing as a person, you are meant to be doing exactly what you are at that point in time. And if you don't understand it, you will understand it. Looking back at it right now, I do get, and I've learned from a lot of the experiences, um, that, that I've had because of that. And I think just constantly trying to be in the moment. And Emma reminds me of this all the time is that I am on my own path. She reminds me of this all the time. Literally, we talked about this last week. I'm on my own path. I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So definitely that typical peachy listeners. I love it. I feel like I give a lot of advice to you guys, you know, you 20 somethings that have no idea what you're doing with your life because me neither. But I feel like one piece of advice that I have that I was actually just thinking about, like when you were talking, Mel, that college is such a unique time. Again, if you have the privilege to go, you need to really not think of it as a memory when you're in it. And I think that that's something that is so hard because you're constantly thinking these are going to be the best four years of your life this is it. You're going to be with your best friends. You're living next to them. Like nothing can be better than right now. Don't think of it as a memory. Don't think of it as like a fleeting moment. Just don't even think about it as like a future moment. Just think about it so presently. You are here now. You are doing this amazing thing. You are learning so much about yourself. You're learning so much education wise. You're learning how to interact with people more on the day to day. You're learning more about your friends just live in it, live in it. Because one day, as sad as it is, it is just going to be a memory. But if you spend so much time thinking about that, thinking about the fact that it's going to go away, then you're never presently in the moment. You're not truly living it to the fullest. So live it to the fullest, you know. But thank you, Mel, so much for coming on this podcast. I have to say this has been so fun. My second, you know, person on this podcast, apart from my sister, but you're also basically my sister. So 
I guess I only have family on this podcast. I mean, I love you. You are like a sister to me too. Thank you so much for having me. I have been so excited for this all week. I have literally just been waiting for this. Um, I, every Thursday, get so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, new, typically PG is out. I have to listen. So I hope you guys all, I hope I lived up to Emma's, you know, level a little bit. And definitely not as, you know, she's the queen. So no, 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 Mel, you did amazing. I couldn't have asked for a better partner for this episode. So thank you so much. I knew that you'd be able to give such a unique experience having also gone through the entire USC process with me. I wouldn't have wanted to go through it with anybody else. You guys don't forget to follow Mel's all of her businesses at Sweet and Chill CBD. Go to sweetandchill.com if you want to look through her products. She's in law school, so she's probably going to be changing the world someday in a really, really big way. So you should keep an eye out for her because it's going to get crazy. But Mel, thank you again for coming. Really Thank you it. so much. I love you. Emma is the best. Continue to listen to Typically Peachy every Thursday, guys. Best podcast out there. And please subscribe as well. <laughs> I love it. I love all the promo. Yes, we, we love to promo each other and ourselves. Yes. All right. But thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your week. Make sure to check on your friends all the time. Do little Zoom calls. Have a conversation about this. If you went to college, if you didn't go to college, I'm sure that you have an opinion about it. So check out the documentary on Netflix. Let me know your thoughts at Typically Peachy on Instagram. DM me. I love to talk to you guys. And don't forget to stay peachy, my friends. (laughs) 